Hey, special ed teacher. I am so excited for today's episode. We have Jennifer Hufferber from the Sped Prep Academy podcast, and we are talking all about how to write meaningful impact statements, present levels, plops, plafs, whichever acronym you use for IEPs. But before we get into it, I'd like to announce that I have a course in the works for you, special ed teacher, called the IEP Success Method, IEP 101, From Understanding to Organization. This will give you the foundational skills you need to fully understand what an IEP is, as well as all the tips and tricks that I use on an everyday basis when I'm writing my own IEPs. You will also get my entire step-by-step IEP meeting system of how I organize and prep for each IEP meeting. So you're never wondering if you sent out that meeting notice out to your parents or to print out that signature page again. So go and join the waitlist. The link will be in the show notes. All right, let's get into the show. Hey, special ed teachers. Welcome to Stepping Into Special Education. Are you confused with writing IEPs? Need a system to track data? Are you up late Googling strategies for behavior management? Do you wake up with huge goals only to feel that you're not doing enough? Hey, I'm Michelle. I too teach special ed in a low socioeconomic community. I too wanted more connection with my special needs families. I wanted help with IEP meetings and needed more training with behaviors. And I kept asking myself, Am I even doing a good job? Until I finally found the right strategies and support. In this podcast, you will find guidance with IEPs, behavior strategies, and SPED support so that you will know you've made an impact. So grab your iced coffee, clipboard, and your favorite pen. It is time to get things started. Before we get into our guest interview, I'd love to share who Jennifer Hufferber is. Jennifer Hufferber is a veteran special educator who has spent an impressive 28 years in the classroom and currently serves as the special education instructional coach for her district. Throughout her career, Jennifer has had a strong desire to share her extensive knowledge and expertise with colleagues, and she wholeheartedly embraces the opportunity to support and uplift fellow special educators. And her efforts have not gone unnoticed. In 2007, Jennifer received the esteemed title of Kansas Special Educator of the Year. And in 2015, she was named to the Kansas Teacher of the Year team, a testament to her outstanding contributions to education. Jennifer's expertise extends beyond her role as an instructional coach. She is also the founder of the SPED Prep Academy, which provides courses and a wealth of invaluable resources to support special education teachers. She is the host of the SPED Prep Academy podcast, which provides opportunities for growth and empowerment among special education teachers, enabling them to develop into exceptional teacher leaders. Through her mentorship, she amplifies her expertise, engages in insightful discussions, and provides a platform for special educators to connect, learn, and grow from one another. Without further ado, I present to you, Jennifer Hufferber. Hey, special ed teachers. I am so excited for you all. We have a special guest today on today's episode. 
Her name is Jennifer Hufferber. I hope I said that right this time. <laughs> Hufferber, I'm so excited to have her on the show. And she's also a special educator with 28 years of experience. Jennifer, is that right? That is correct. Amazing. And she has so much experience. And I already went ahead and went ahead and talked about that at the right before the the episode so everybody could get a good feel of who you are and all the experience. But I would love for you to go ahead and just kind of have your introduce yourself in your own words. Well, it's funny you had trouble pronouncing my last name because everybody has trouble pronouncing my last name except kids. The kids can say it perfectly, <laughs> but the adults have a lot of trouble. So my name is Jennifer Hopperber. I am the face behind the online business Sped Prep Academy, where I provide training, support, and resources to other special education teachers. I was in the classroom for 28 years as a resource teacher for grades K through six, and I'll be starting my second year as the district instructional coach for the special education teachers there this fall. Personally, I am wife to Kevin, mom to Cameron and Callie. And here's a fun fact. Cameron will begin her teaching career in special education this fall. And so I'm really excited that she's decided to follow in mom's footsteps. And then I also have a two-year-old Bernadoodle who is one of four therapy dogs within our school district. So we're empty nesters. So now we have we have Tucker to, <laughs> I guess, keep us company and have somebody to take care of. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's so cool to have, you know, your own kids follow in your footsteps because, you know, they obviously saw, Jennifer, that you have been a great role model and they are inspired with everything that you've done, I'm pretty sure. So that is great. So congratulations. Well, thank you. Proud mama moment. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So for sure, um, today's episode is all about how to write meaningful impact statements for your P-L-A-A-F-P's. How do you pronounce that, Jennifer? We say plafs. To me, plafs. it sounds like an Aflac commercial plaf. Yeah. <laughs> oh my well, gosh. I, just, I honestly, I just say, I usually just say plap, like present levels of education performance. I, oh. That's what I started with. And so I, I usually shorten it down to that. Right. When I saw it, I was like, oh, here's another acronym. How do I pronounce it this yes, time? Plap. I know I've, I've heard plap. I've heard plop. I've heard, you yes. know, I think just present levels right now for me, PLPs, you know, yes. all of that. So, but as special education teachers, I know a lot of my listeners always ask, you know, Michelle, how do I write better IEPs? And I agree with you, Jennifer, that the present levels or the PLAFs is a great place to start. I feel that this is one of the most difficult areas to write and how to write it, especially mm -hmm. if you haven't had that proper training of how to write a proper present levels area. So with that, uh, what strategies or techniques can educators use to capture both academic and functional achievements in their impact statements? And, th and then just making sure that it's comprehensive and represents the student's actual abilities. Well, I began focusing on this area when I started teaching teachers how to, you know, write IEPs. And I was going through some IEP training of my own and I realized I had taught for 27 years and I didn't I didn't feel comfortable writing them myself. I felt like I was leaving a lot out of them and I was having trouble with this section and so it's high, I knew that it was highly likely that a lot of other teachers were probably having the same issues and it really comes down to what you just said is there's a lack of training. There's a lack of knowledge of what 
what are they wanting us to put into this section? How are they wanting us to word it? And how in depth are we supposed to go? And so that's really why I started focusing on that. So the strategies that that I, or the techniques that I use really are going through those sections and looking at what you're putting on there first off. First of all, and whenever I see the comments, no concerns in a section, it, that really kind of rubs me the wrong way because there, there very well may not be any concerns, but there, that's a huge opportunity for you to put what the child can do in that, sta- in that section. And so as a strategy, I tell my teachers that using a sentence stem, you know, we, we teach our kids how to use sentence stem. So using a sentence stem where you're filling it, kind of filling in the blanks a little bit and you're saying the student's name has a disability in whatever area it is. And then, then you just start, bam, hitting in all of those areas, those functional areas, the academic areas, the motor section, the communication section, and you're telling exactly how it is impacting that area. And so just having that strategy or knowing, I guess, that knowledge that go ahead and and address each area with the words that impacts this area. That so then you you have a way to communicate what the child can and cannot do. Right. And wow, Jennifer, the type of no training that we get sometimes, a lot of the times actually, it's it's so surprising for me because. An IEP is a legal document, mm-hmm. right? And as I remember special ed teachers, me just starting, newcomers coming in, they're like, they get so nervous with writing this document because we all know it's legal documentation. But it's so it's it's really sad that we don't get the proper training training in how to write these things. And I know you were saying that. In some of these areas, some people put like not applicable or no concerns. And I agree with you. Like, and honestly, I will admit I have done that as oh, yeah. well, I right? Have too. Yeah. Yeah. I just agree. putting the no concerns, but that is such a good point. Okay. What can the student do? You know, what are their abilities? Okay. We can list a whole bunch of negative, but we have to make sure we input that positive things and abilities that the child can do as well. So mm-hmm. I love that point. And I think that is perfect using sentence stems for the teachers. We need it just as much, especially with this legal document that we, that, you know, hopefully crossing our fingers doesn't have to go to due process, (laughs) right? Right. Yeah. You know, it is so important. So those sentence stems of how to write it would help so much for teachers for those districts and schools that they are not provided that proper training. So Mm -hmm. I agree with you. And so with that, Jennifer, too, what are some common challenges that educators face when creating these impact statements for the present levels area? Well, I feel like it's just they don't know what what to put in there. And so I feel like if you if you tie everything back to the state standards or whatever standards you're using and you really kind of dig into those and see what the kid should be doing at grade level what a typical student is doing at that grade level and and just compare it and dig into those reading standards. Are they, where are they with fluency? Where are they with comprehension? And, and then tie everything back. I feel like that's the challenge that we just don't know what is expected in that section. And so if you take, if you take your standards, if you take your, what students are expected to know and then tie it all back to that, 
within each section, then I feel like that will be, that'll be your best bet. Yeah, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. That's a whole nother episode we can talk about, right? Just really knowing your state standards. I think that is first and foremost, especially as a special ed teacher and even just starting with just the students and the grade levels that you're working on or that you work with right now. If you're a new teacher, just digging into that and knowing the basics, like in kindergarten, you know, identifying letters, right? Or identifying mm-hmm. numbers. Definitely you can put that information in either the strengths area of the impact statements or their their weaknesses, right? Or what they're still working on. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. And that's exactly what I use. I do the exact same thing. And I know it's difficult because we work with so many different grade levels. So we feel like, oh, we've got to learn all of the standards for all of the grade levels. And that's, you don't have to dig in that deep. You don't have to dig into comprehension where you're you're going to find, you know, cause and effect and then I'll go down that rabbit hole. But if as long as you know the gist of each set of standards and, you know, what the basics are, I feel like you'll be good there. Right. And a lot of our students, Jennifer, that we work with, a lot of the things that they're missing are those foundational skills, right? So I agree with you, those foundational standards that we know, like like basic math calculation, you know, just writing numbers to skip counting to, you know, those. And I completely agree with you. So a lot of our teachers do not become overwhelmed because of all the grade levels that we are teaching. That is so true. So I complete, I do the exact same thing. And then also I was thinking about something else too, Jennifer, with writing those impact statements using person-friendly, I guess I want to say, or maybe kid-friendly language, just so not just us teachers, we all have our own jargon, right? Of how we speak and everything. But then how, what tips do you have with how to make sure that we're writing it in a type of language that everybody can understand. Well, you've got to remember who your audience is. You're you're writing this IEP for the child, but you're writing it to the parent. And you have to, they don't always understand our jargon either. The parents don't. And so if you're writing it with just regular words and not being overly vague, but not being overly specific either, just kind of focusing on the deficits and the strengths and then giving examples and kind of making all that wording sound um, understandable enough for for the parents, I think is where you're going to want to shoot for. Agreed. And I just wanted to piggyback on that too. Uh, we use so many different acronyms. Acronyms, yes. Right? <laughs> In the special ed field, we use so many acronyms. And I have seen documents where the acronyms are are used in there. And it's not even explained in parentheses exactly what those acronyms, mm-hmm. acronyms mean. How to spell it out. Right, exactly. And it just stresses me out because it's like, oh no, this poor parent. You know, I'm thinking of them, this poor parent. The, what is, what is PLAFs? You know, <laughs> you know poor thing, what is that? What is PLPs or what is, you know, and then we have our own district tests that we have our uh, jargon that we use as well. And a lot of the parents are like, what does this mean and everything? So yeah, I agree with you. Can you share with us a good example, maybe during an IEP meeting where a impact statement had a positive impact on the meeting? 
Absolutely. Well, actually, it's a little bit different. It's the negative. So as an instructional coach, I am able to sit in on IEPs for every grade level. And this past year, I was supporting a teacher during a secondary IEP meeting, and I had helped write the IEP. And so I helped write the impact statements, and I felt like they were done properly. And then while talking with the parents, it became pretty evident that they had no idea how low their child actually was. This student had a specific learning disability in reading, and they hadn't been placed. They they were placed and identified like in fifth grade. And so they hadn't had a lot of IEPs to, to deal with, but it was clear that they didn't know, you know, what the disability was impacting. And so I feel like a well-written impact statement can provide a clear picture, but it can also do the opposite. It can provide a very muddy, you know, view of what their child can and can't do. So I feel like it's very important to to accurately communicate the student's current abilities and inform the targeted interventions and the so that so that the I feel like a well-written impact statement can provide a clear picture of the student's current abilities and then it can inform that targeted um, instruction that we give the students. And then it can also facilitate effective communication between everybody, between the other educators, the parents, the related service providers. I don't feel like we need to hide what the child can't do. I feel like sometimes we we want to always focus on the positive. And while that's important, we also need, the parents need to know exactly where their child is and what that disability is impacting. So I feel like my example is kind of the, the negative side of it, but that's that's also an important side. Yeah, and it brings me to with what you're saying reminds me of some parents that I have come across where they actually, I don't want to say it, but it's true. They're in denial of what their child can and cannot do. Right. Mm -hmm. And right. And they're just thinking more of like the surface area of sometimes our students with disabilities are learning disabilities. Like me and you have come across. They're really good with their speaking abilities because Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And you wouldn't you wouldn't even think. And honestly, I have seen they even confuse their parents because they're so eloquent in the way they talk. But when you finally see them sitting down, writing, you know, come to pen and paper or reading a certain book or whatever, that's when you really see it come come through. Mm-hmm. And it's just unfortunate, but it's so true that parents need to know these things. And realize, you know, with that example that you just shared, the parents really need to realize how low their student and their child is. Because if it just shows that, okay, your student really does need this help. And please, please do not deny that help that your child Mm -hmm. needs. And I think it is because they don't know, you know, so I completely agree with you on that. Yeah. So Jennifer, if it's okay to ask, do you have any examples of maybe some examples of how a good impact statement should be written? Yeah, I actually have been doing a whole lot of work on this for my TBT store. And I have a growing bundle of impact statements where I basically do as much of the work for you as I can without knowing your individual students. But these statements are are considered to be used as a starting place. It's not an actual statement to be copied and pasted into an IEP. And I, I, I don't think that teachers would do that, but definitely you, you can't just take a statement and think that it's going to apply to, 
to your child's unique needs. So I have a couple of examples I can share here, but make sure that you are using that wording, using those sentence stems and filling in the blanks for your own students. So the the bundle that I have has, has reading, math, written language, cognitive behavior, communication has so many different possibilities that you can put into each section in your IEP. But here's just a few for cognitive. Um, one says Trey's auditory processing deficit makes it difficult for him to understand spoken language during lectures, leading to challenges in retaining and processing new information, which impacts his overall academic performance. And so that wording, it does sound a little jargony, but it's specific enough to let the the parent know that he's having trouble listening, which is affecting his ability to understand spoken words during lectures. And so I feel like they're specific enough, but not, you know, still understandable enough. Um, Another one would be Trey's challenges with visual spatial processing can affect his ability to solve problems that involve spatial relationships, such as geometry and visualization of math concepts leading to difficulties in various math-related tasks. Trey's visual motor processing deficit can make it challenging for him to track words and lines accurately while reading, which can affect his reading fluency, his speed, and his overall overall comprehension. So what this product does is just gives you so many different, um, it breaks down each subject. So like reading, it's going to break it down into fluency. It's going to break it down into comprehension, phonological awareness, and then each each subject is broken down like that. And then it also breaks it down into the different disabilities. So I've broken it down into specific learning disabilities, autism, OHI, um, vision, hearing, all of the different disability areas. And so you really get a vast picture of what these impact statements should look like. And then I feel like once you see them, you're going to easily be able to spin it and use those words to describe your own students. Perfect. And I love how you say the word challenges. You know, it's it puts it more of like not as negative because usually when you hear, you know, cannot do or maybe, um, what do you think about the word struggles, Jennifer? Like maybe Trey struggles. I don't know. What do you feel? Yeah, I I honestly don't have a problem with that word. Okay. I feel like it's, um, I, I mean, the, it's something that the parents can understand that he struggles with. He, he they They know that it's, something that's hard for him. I don't have a, a, an issue with that word, but maybe somebody, maybe someone else does, but a challenge is, is a good option instead of using struggles. Yeah. I like that way better than um, use, using that word struggles, but you're right. Depends on who you're talking to, right? Yeah. And where with this bundle that you're talking about, where can educators and people access it? Well, I actually have a freebie of a sample Um that you can find at spedprepacademy.com slash impact freebie, I-M-P-A-C-T-F-R-E-E-B-I-E. Perfect. And I will make sure we get that link, everyone, and include it in the show notes so everyone can get access to that too. And then so connected to that, you can also get the bigger bundle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And awesome. like I said, once you get a feel for how to write them, just being able to put that in each section is is going gonna, gonna to start making it so much more easy to write. I know it did for me just being, just starting to research how to 
use the words and and use the sentence stems made it so much easier to start doing it on my own without having to look back at as some resource all the time. Right, right. And um, if it's okay, I do have a question um, about impact statements just for myself also. <laughs> um, I know that typically as special ed teachers, we're looking into, we write the academic parts, right? So for areas like communication and fine and motor skills, do you leave that to the service providers? Or I know every school is different. So I was just wondering what you guys do in your district. In my district, if they have an if they have a concern in that area, most often our service providers will put that in there. But I've I've learned that they don't understand that in section as well as they should either. And so I always kind of watch what they're doing and then ask them, say, hey, can I add an impact statement in there or um, just adjust it a little bit? They don't, they've never seemed to mind. But if it's not a concern, like motor skills are not a concern, so therefore that OT or PT wouldn't have anything in that section, then I always make sure and and put that in there as a strength that the, the disability is not impacting Trey's ability to participate in physical education. And so I just kind of spin at the opposite direction so that I at least have something in there for the parents instead of saying no concerns. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I love I love our service providers, but definitely, you know, some of them don't even have access to that document since, you know, mm-hmm. they're not, you know, they don't have access to the um, the IEP at the time. And so as the case carriers, I agree. It is so important to make sure that even though it's not our section, quote unquote, we mm-hmm. do have to make sure that it is written at least with some type of uh, the, like you said, the strengths, you know, yeah. adding that in there. So I completely agree with you. Thank you for that. Well, at the beginning, you're talking about due process. And if it if the IEP comes down to it, you're the case manager, you're the one that wrote that IEP. So I feel like I want it to be the best that it can be. I don't want to leave it to somebody else and expect them to to do my job for me. I want to make sure that the IEP is in compliance and will hold up in court if that if it came to that. Exactly. Oh, that's so important. So every single IEP that we should be writing, you know, should be written like this might be held up in court. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good key, right? Even yeah. putting a little pressure on ourselves, but yeah. there's <laughs> but, nothing wrong with pressure. <laughs> but like, like we said before, it's a legal document. We have to make sure that our IEPs are compliant because at the end of the day, who's the case carrier on that IEP, right? It is right. us. It is us. So thank you so much for that. Jennifer, this was a great conversation. I love talking to you and all of your expertise. It's just good to talk to somebody that knows our special education world. There's not a lot of us out there. So no. I I am so, so blessed and just privileged to have you on the podcast. How can everyone connect with you? Well, I am Sped Prep Academy on just about anything. I'm on Instagram, which I, I'll be honest, I hate social media. And so it, it, I, I do it because I feel like I have to do it. I'm not, I'm not a, big social media person. I have a Facebook group, a small Facebook group, Sped Prep Academy, TPT, Sped Prep Academy. And then if you wanted to get on my email list, you can do that by following that freebie as well that that I gave the link to. So, and then I have my own podcast, Sped Prep Academy is there, is there too. And so you can find me there. Perfect. Yeah. I didn't want to, I wanted to make sure you 
put in that podcast too, because we have a bunch of podcast listeners. So I am so thankful. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It was great having you on the show. Take care and have a great week. All right. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. I hope you were able to get as much out of this great conversation as I was talking to Jennifer about present levels and impact statements. If there was anything that resonated with you or you found helpful, please share that in the Facebook group at www.facebook.com backslash groups backslash stepping into special ed. And don't forget that I have a course in the works for you, special ed teacher, called the IEP Success Method, IEP 101, From Understanding to Organization. This will give you the foundational skills you need to fully understand what an IEP is, as well as all the tips and tricks I use on an everyday basis when I'm writing my IEPs. You will also get my entire step-by-step IEP meeting system of how I organize and prep for each IEP meeting from beginning all the way till after the meeting. So you're never wondering if you sent out that meeting notice out to your parent or print out that signature page again. If you haven't yet, go and join the wait list. You will find that in the show notes. All right, I'll catch you next time on another episode of Stepping Into Special Education. Take care and have a great week. Hey, before you leave, if you felt this show taught you something and got you one step closer to where you want to be, please leave me a quick review and follow this podcast. It is the best thing you can do to keep the show going. Also, be sure to join my free Facebook group. You'll be able to connect with me and get support from fellow educators just like you. Remember that you do make a difference and that there's always that one student that can't wait to see you every single day. Till next time, my friend. Take care.